I give it up for these two ladies as they come forward to read the word. Are we going English first or Spanish first? Which one? English. Okay, we're going to do English, y'all. Romans 11, 11 through 20. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they may fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now, I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle, an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if the rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches are broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. Romanos 11, 11 20. Digo pues, han tropezado los de Israel para que cayesen. En ninguna manera, pero por sus transgresiones vino la salvación a los gentiles para provocarles a celos. Y, y si su transgresión es la riqueza del mundo y su deficiencia la riqueza de los gentiles, cuanto más su plena restauración. Porque a vosotros hablo gentiles, por cuanto yo soy apóstol a los gentiles, honro mi ministerio. Por si en alguna manera pueda provocar a celos a los de mi sangre y hacer salvos a algunos de ellos. Porque si su exclusión es la reconcili reconciliación del mundo, ¿qué será su admis admisión sino vida de entre los muertos? Si las primicias son santas, también lo es la masa restante. Y si la raíz es santa, también lo son las ramas. Pues si algunas de las ramas fueron des desgajadas y tú, siendo olivo silvestre, has sido injertado en lugares de ellas y has sido hecho participante de las raíces y de las ricas savia de olivo. No te jactes contra las ramas y si te jactas, sabes que no sustentas tú a las raíces, sino las raíces a ti. Pues las ramas, dirás, fueron desgajadas para que yo fuese injertado. Bien, por su incredulidad fueron desgajadas, pero tú por la fe estás en pie. No te en sacas si no teme. All right, y'all give it up. <laughs> Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory is centered around five kids who each receive a Wonka bar with a golden ticket in the inside. 
This golden ticket got them access to Wonka's Chocolate Kingdom. However, if you've seen the movie, not every kid appreciated that very special gift. You know the saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure. The lady said amen somewhere up in here. The point of this saying is when one man considers something trash, another comes behind him and realizes the beauty in the object that was considered trash. Come on, we see this in relationships all the time, on the gram, on book, and on Snapchat. More times than often, when one man values a woman, or vice versa, a woman value, uh, devalues a man that, 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 that another didn't, all of a sudden, that man or woman is jealous. It is as if, all of a sudden, his or her eyes have been opened to the beauty that was right before them the entire time. It is as if it took another getting them for them to realize what they actually had. Say it, I know. You had him or her. You had their beauty. You had their intelligence. You had their meekness. You had their kindness. You had their love all to yourself. But unfortunately... It took another to value them for you to see what you had. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me this morning like y'all ain't never had relationship issues in this place. Friends, we see this kind of complex relationship between God and the Jewish people. The Jewish people had God first. You recall about 4,000 years ago, God called a man by the name of Abram out of the out of Ur of the Chaldees and said that from him would come the nation of Israel. It may, he made an unbreakable covenant with Abram, calling his name Abraham, in which his physical seed would possess the land of Cana forever and would be a great nation. God dealt in covenant relationship with Israel, and outside the covenant, there was no salvation. A Jew was under the covenant by birth and entered the covenant through faith in God's promise of a Messiah to come who would reign over Israel on the throne of David. Israel had something good. I don't know about you, but, but if you got God, you got something good. In fact, the very definition of good is God. Y'all know the saying, God is good. I thought y'all would have got excited right there. I mean, I mean, he is good, ain't he? I mean, he woke you up this morning, got you on your way, in your right mind. If ain't nobody else been good to you, God's been good to you. You didn't get excited as you should because you don't know yourself the way you ought to know yourself. If you knew yourself the way I know myself, God has been good to me far beyond what I've been to God. Israel had something good going for themselves. Is 
They had the gospel. Israel looked for the Messiah. But when he came in the person of Jesus Christ, they rejected him. The message of the Messiah, his salvation in the establishing of his kingdom was taken from Israel because they considered Jesus trash. And we know this because it's clear in the Gospels. This is what it says. And it was the preparation of the Passover in about the sixth hour, and he said, set unto the Jews. That's that King James version right there. Said it. There's something about it. It's, it's holy when you read it. It'll roll off your tongue, you know, in another way. Never mind. Um, unto the Jews, behold your king. But they cried out, watch it, church. Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said unto them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Here it is, Jesus, in all of his beauty, in all of his glory, none like him. You read the Gospels for yourself. You'll see how good he is. He's opening up blind eyes. He's opening up deaf ears. He's accepting the rejected. He's going against the grain. It doesn't matter what's going on in, re in regards to evil in Israel. There was racism going on in Israel, but not from Jesus. Jesus showed them that Jews and Samaritans ought to love one another. I wish I had some people in here. Jesus showed them, although in Jesus' day, they wouldn't even look at a woman. Jesus restores dignity even to women. You see it in his ministry. If ain't nobody else beautiful, Jesus was beautiful. Ah, oh, but yet they seen him, but they didn't see him. That's many of us in the room. We seen them, but we ain't seen them. And therefore, because they rejected the promise of salvation, because they rejected the kingdom of God, God took his kingdom, he took his Messiah, and he gave it to another nation. He gave it to another church. Another man's trash is another man's treasure. Jesus said unto them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord doing, and it is, mar and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say unto you, here it is, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. Thus the gospel went to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are anyone who is not a Jew. That's you and I in the room, unless you're Jewish. There's a lot of people claiming they're Jewish, but we're not going to go there. God took his kingdom, he took his Messiah, and he took it to other nations. This was God's discipline upon Israel for rejecting the Messiah. Today, it is important that you and I see that not even human rejection can stop God's plan of salvation. That human rebellion does not baffle God. That human rejection doesn't make God dizzy. Just because people ain't accepting God 
doesn't mean that God didn't plan for it. Friends, that even those who refuse to bow their knee to God are yet working for God. Even those who don't call Jesus king is still working for the king. Oh, I love that right there. I'll play it back for you. Even those who don't bow their knee to the king, they still working for the king. Let me play it in a way that you'll speak back to me. In other words, God's going to get some glory out of everybody and everyone, whether they like it or not. Oh, I love the God that I serve. No matter how you cut it, no matter how you spin it, at the end of the day, God's going to get some glory one way or another. We meet Paul in the verse. The first point I want to make is rejection piques interest. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespasses, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Paul starts this week with a question as he did last week. Before we answer this week's question, let me remind you of last week's question. It began in verse one with the question, as God rejected his people, the answer was no, or hecky no, or heavens no. I said there's some other terms you can use, but it wouldn't be appropriate for up here. And the rest of the chapter is explanation in defense to that question. And the reason it matters, you say, what does the Jews have to do with me? The reason it matters is because God's faithfulness to Israel is God's faithfulness to us. If he doesn't keep his word with Israel, is there a reason to think he'll keep his word to us? You know how it is. If a person can't keep their word to someone else, why in the world would I believe that you'll keep your word to me? Because I love you. Yeah, all right. In fact, the connection is even closer. What turns up in this chapter is that we are also part of Israel. We'll see that in a minute. But Israel has rejected Christ, and so they have rejected God. Friends, I want to be clear this morning. To reject Jesus is to reject God. You cannot say that you accept God and reject Jesus. To reject Jesus is to reject God. And because they have rejected Christ, God has blinded the Jewish people. God has blinded the Jewish people. I want to park here because I want to point something out to you. Here it is in Romans chapter 11, verse 8. We see it. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. Now notice that the verse doesn't say, Satan blinded them. It doesn't say that. The verse says, God blinded them. Friends, it's a dangerous thing to hear truth week in and week out and continue in unbelief. 
God's judgment would be that you can't hear and can't see. That's why the Bible says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but come quickly. I know some of y'all waiting. Y'all waiting. I know you're waiting until you get on your deathbed. Then I know. Let me, let, let me have my last bit of energy, Pastor, before I cash it in. Let me, let me have my last. Let me get my last twerk in. I'm coming to Jesus. I got a little, I got a little bit left in me still. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me this morning. I still got a little bit of sin left in me. I just want to get it out. Once I get, once I get this out, I'm going, y'all don't want to talk to me. Oh, they ain't right, Kiara. They ain't right. Y'all ain't never had that conversation with yourself. God, I'm just going to do it. Listen, God, if you let me live through the night, I'm going to make a deal with you. Check it out. I'm going to do this last thing. I need to get it out of my system. Once I get it out of my system, I'm all yours, Jesus. I just need to, don't kill me in the midst of this. That's that crazy talk that sin has, right? But the Bible says that when grace shows up at your doorstep, when grace comes knocking, you better open the door. Because this might be your last time that you hear grace. You do know that tomorrow is not promised to you. Well, here it is. They've rejected the Messiah. God has blinded them. The Jewish people heard about salvation first. They had the privilege of seeing Jesus in the flesh. They got everything first. They receive the first Wonka bar with the golden ticket, and yet they didn't take advantage of it. Friends, God stocked Israel with Wonka bars all over the city. Wonka bars were in the synagogue. Wonka bars were in the streets. Wonka bars were everywhere. Golden tickets in each and every last one of them. But when they got their Wonka bars, they took their golden tickets and they threw it in the street as if it didn't matter. They didn't want the invitation to the chocolate kingdom. But here's God in his wisdom. When they threw those tickets down, those tickets Tickets went blowing over to another nation who got a hold of those Wonka tickets and said, I'll go check it out for myself. That's what God did. Yes, he did. They rejected the ticket and somebody else picked it up. One man's trash is another man's treasure. You better stop sitting here and acting like everybody gets an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You finally got you a golden ticket. You ought to take advantage of it because the king will not be open forever. This is what is happening. They took their golden tickets and they threw them in the streets and the Gentiles came and they picked those golden tickets up and they said, we want to go see the king. We want to go see the king. They threw their tickets in the street. They threw Jesus in the street. I'll never forget my trip to Brooklyn. We were on a missions trip. Brooklyn is like the second most populated place with Jewish people. And we went to go and witness best we can, best we know how. And my friend, Lane LaRue, who's a missionary uh, now in ATL, he goes up to an Orthodox Jew. He begins to converse with him about the gospel. 
And they get into a conversation, and the conversation seemed to go somewhat well. Well, he handed him the track that he had in his hand. The Orthodox Jewish man walked off, and then he made a U-turn, y'all. And in the hood, when somebody make a U-turn, <laughs> you, you, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, you don't know what's coming up. You understand? So I'm a brother watching this. So y'all, I'm getting my running shoes ready because I'm getting ready to take off. I, no, I don't play like that. No, we don't play like that. He, and, and it was a sharp U-turn. It wasn't, it wasn't a gentle U-turn. It was like, brother, what? You know what I'm saying? Kind of U-turn and it's turning. So, so you know me. I was going, I was going, I was going dip. Uh, and so the dude, Lil' Lane LaRue, he's standing there, happy on his tippy toes, and the guy walks up to him and takes the track and tears it up in his face and throws it at him. I'm like, I don't know why he ain't running, because I would have been gone. But it goes to show that even today, the hardness of the Jewish people. Friends, we could have walked away from that situation discouraged. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you did your best to talk about Jesus. You did your best to witness Jesus. I mean, you wasn't a jerk this time. I mean, you were actually nice this time. And you did all that you could, and yet people rejected Jesus in your face. But friends, just because some people don't want Jesus doesn't mean that everybody doesn't want Jesus. And what you got to learn is that salvation is in the hands of God. It is not your duty to transform a heart. You got to leave that to God. You are, God called you to be loving. He called you to be consistent. He called you to be faithful, but he ain't called you to be no savior. And many of us end up discouraged because we end up trying to be the Savior instead of proclaiming the Savior. And when we're rejected, hold on now, because you got to be sure that people are rejecting Jesus and not you. Okay, y'all not going to talk to me. Some people at your job, <laughs> they ain't rejecting Jesus for Jesus. They reject Jesus because of you. Just keep looking at me. So, 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 some of y'all know. Y'all like, I can't talk about Jesus because my life between church and now, bro, uh, um, a bastard, not me. Can't do that yet. God's still working on me. God's still working on me. But in all seriousness, I want people to reject Jesus for Jesus. I don't want them to reject Jesus because I'm being a jerk. I don't want them to reject Jesus because of my own sin. I want to make sure that if there's going to be rejection of the Lord, I do little as possible to be a stumbling block to the salvation of someone else. Now, I got I to I gotta be careful here because, because I'm not asking you to be perfect. God knows that I'm not perfect. That's why you ought to have some humility about yourself. And be able to repent when you do wrong. Just because you're a Christian don't make you right in every situation. You ought to be able to repent and show some humility. Well, here it is. We see in the Gospels this kind of rejection, this kind of hardness from the Jewish people. 
that God sends prophets. He, he sends priests. He sends Levites. He, he sends apostles. And yet the Jewish people reject him. We see the first martyr in the book of Acts chapter seven. Here it is. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. Y'all ain't catch that. That's some real, and you ain't never been that mad. You were enraged and you started to foul at your teeth. Okay, y'all ain't never been that mad. I'm telling you, if you don't, okay, y'all know what I'm talking about. All right, it keeps going. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Oh, that's good right there. Full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. I wish I had time to preach that. And Jesus standing at the right hand. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing right. The hand of God. Okay, let's get the scene. Here it is. People are angry. They're mad because Stephen has shared the gospel with them. And one thing you'll notice, watch this, is that when you go through the book of Acts, like he can share the gospel, but whenever he brings up the Gentiles, they want to stone, they want to kill. Because sometimes when you preach the gospel, you got to preach to the idols in people's hearts. And when you touch their idols, you begin to really deal with the center of their life and people may kill you over the gospel. Okay, and so here it is. They're, 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 they're angry. They're enraged. They want to kill him. And the Bible says he's full of the Holy Spirit. How do you stand in the face of spiritual opposition? How do you stand in the face of those who don't want Jesus? I'm going to tell you right now, your tail better have the Holy Spirit in the inside of you. Because if you don't, if you don't, there's some situations that you'll run into. There's some people that you'll run into that'll discourage you and have you reading your Bible, checking your resources to making sure that you're good. And so here it is. Stephen is sitting there, and here it is. He said, behold, I see the heavens open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Here it is. He's being nice. He's being kind. He's proclaiming truth. And the Bible says that the folks get together and they rush my man. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. Oh, it's good to claim Jesus when all is well. It's good to call him your savior when you got food in the fridge, when you got clothes on your back. When everybody wants to be your friend, but it's another thing to stand with him when all your friends have cast you out of your own circle. It's one thing to say that you love them, but when your love get tested, they took him out of the city and they stoned the man. Stone for Preaching truth. Stone for standing up for what is right. Stone for going against the grain. Stone because he don't care about keeping up with the Joneses. Stone 
because he valued Jesus more than his life. Stoned. Because he had the audacity to confront them in their sin. Stoned. For preaching the truth. Friends, in the church, we're going to be called to stand up for what is right. I hear Martin Luther King Jr. in my ears. He stood for what is right and they put him in jail. When you stand for what is right, you run the risk of being the outcast. When you stand for what is right, you run the risk of being stoned. Here's Stephen preaching the word of God with every fiber in his being. He's seeing glory from heaven. And just because you serve God doesn't mean that you won't have any pain, doesn't mean that you won't have any danger. But what it does mean is that when the stones are done, when the angry people are gone, you'll look around and you'll still be standing. Because when God is on your side, it doesn't matter what they throw against you. It doesn't matter how they reject you as long as God got your back you're able to do the impossible they stone they stone this man to death and anybody in their right mind looking at this story would say I don't want that to be me but I recall us singing earlier Death was arrested, and my life began. Oh, that's good right there, because Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? I'm taking a little detour, but I'm coming back, y'all. Because if you're going to do this Christian thing, You got to make up your mind that God got your back and that come hell to high water, no matter who leaves me, no matter who's against me, because everybody ain't going to accept the gospel. You got to resolve right now that God is the one in which I'm going to give my life to and God is the one by which I will serve. Live for the word, die for the word. Stephen had preached the gospel to the Jewish people, but they considered that message in Jesus trash. This is the first Christian martyr. They killed him in the streets. And we asked what good could come from this. Now watch this because it gets good. So Stephen, he preaches to the Jewish people. They reject him. They pick up stones. They kill him. Now let's just be honest. When bad things happen like that, we begin to question God. We say, God, what good could come out of this evil? Here's a man who was faithful to you, but now he's dead. I'm so glad that the Bible didn't end at chapter 7. Because when you go over to chapter 8 you begin to see the sovereign plan of God. Y'all ain't going to believe me, so I just brought it. I'm going to read it to you. Here it is. Now, those who were scattered, they were scattered after he died, went about preaching the word. Ooh, that's good right there. So God took the rejection of the Jewish people 
to get his people moving out into the streets. Friends, sometimes God is seeing heartache your way, believer, so that he can get your attention and get you moving. Now, here it is. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowd with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. God took a bad thing and turned it around for a good thing. God got a way of situating the evil in life, situating the unfortunates in life in order that he may achieve his goal and his plan. Don't believe me? Consider the cross of Jesus Christ. Who would have thought that God killing his son would profit the whole world? You need to step back for a minute. Not seeing with future eyes, but seeing in the moment. Here it is. Jesus is dying on a cross. Bloody mess. Crown of thorns on his head. They pierce his side. From a human perspective, what good can come out of this? God, what are you doing? God says, I'm doing 10,000 things you have no idea that I'm doing. And in it, God is accomplishing the salvation of millions. God uses rejection and rebellion to serve his plan. And just so you're getting the picture, the salvation invitation is delivered to the Jewish people first. They reject the invite, but God's plan is to get the invite into all of the world. Why? Because when God made the promise to Abraham, he said, through your seed will all the nations be blessed. He's referring to the salvation that comes through Jesus. So God uses the hate and bitterness of the Jewish people to invite the entire world. This salvation is going global. It starts there in the Middle East, and then this thing blows up and goes global, and God uses hatred and rejection so that the gospel will go global. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Watch what he's doing. Watch what he's doing. And so God sends the gospel to the Jewish people, I mean, to the, to the Gentiles. And when he sends the gospel to the Gentiles, it makes the Jewish people jealous. Interest stirs up jealousy. Now, their trespasses means riches for the world. And if their failure means riches in their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. Paul says that God has used the salvation of the Gentiles 
to provoke the Jews to jealousy. Paul hopes that they will see what God is doing for the Gentiles and they will want the same for themselves. How does one man see something that is used, that he used to see as trash, now as treasure? Easy, when he sees how the object has bettered another's life. Oh, it happens all the time. It happens all the time when that man or woman sees their ex. Making someone else better all of a sudden. They want them back. They didn't upgrade the other person. All of a sudden, they got interest. This is what God is doing. He's making them jealous so that they will have interest. Oh, y'all not with me yet. Here it is. I learned this from my kids. Dekai, he's nine years old. He'll be playing with a toy. You parents can relate to this. After a while, he don't want the toy no more. He throws it in the middle of the floor. And who comes by to get it? His simple little two-year-old sister. Somebody said I do. Y'all about as crazy. <laughs> His simple little bit of understanding two-year-old sister. She picks up the toy. She starts playing with it. And all of a sudden, a fight breaks out. It's going down in the middle of the kitchen. Why? Just because she's playing with the toy, all of a sudden, he wants the toy for himself. Now, God's not talking about that kind of evil jealousy, but it drives my point home. What God is showing us is that I'm good regardless of whether you notice it or not. And if I got to put my favor on someone else so that you can get it, then I'll do that. God has a way of getting our attention. But here's the other thing. Friends, your life ought to create a genuine thirst and longing for the things of God in the world around you. That when you get God, no, let me say it another way. When God gets you, there ought to be something about your life that people see and they say, I want some of that. There ought to be some a peace that you have that when everybody else is going crazy, they look over at your cubicle and they say, where you get that from? There ought to be some love about you that when everybody else is walking in hatred, they ought to lean over to you. Where you get that from? You ought to be a billboard for God. There ought to be something about your life that's not like the world. That people look in and say, I want some of that too. God sends his love to the Gentiles. And this is exactly what he does. He arouses the jealousy of the Jewish people by painting his grace 
on the Gentiles. And when the Jews peer in at the Gentiles, they ought to see something different about them. They ought to see the effectiveness of the gospel. You know the gospel ought to change your life. And they ought to see a transformation, a attractive transformation that draws them in. And when they come and they inquire, hey, how did you get that? You ought to turn around and say, let me tell you about Jesus. This joy that I got ain't my joy. This love that I got ain't my love. This peace that I got ain't my peace. Y'all know how it is when you're in a good relationship and they treating you real good and you see they people see that change about you they see that glow about you you ought to say well I got me a woman at home I got me a man at home they 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 treat me so good oh yes but you can't have my piece of chocolate that's you can't have my chocolate don't stay away from my chocolate ain't that right don't you come over here but here's the dilemma Again, surely, church, God didn't get married to Israel and then decide to cheat on her. Surely, God who keeps his promises in his covenant didn't divorce Israel, did he? God says that he hates divorce. So how can God be married to the Gentiles and the Jews. Remember last week, God called his people thoughts. Surely God is not like us. Well, last week I explained all who claim to be Israel is not Israel. Just like everyone who comes to church is not a Christian. But now we must answer the question, does God have two people? Does he have two nations? Or to put it plain, does God have two girls? So friends, how does all of this work out? Who gets God in the end? The Jews or the Gentiles? Well, according to Colossians, here there is not Greek nor Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, but in Christ all in all, how does God make this relationship work? How does God end the strife between these two people groups? He does it by making one people. Now stay with me, church, because I'm going somewhere. Here it is. Watch this. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing roots. This text is confusing. I don't care what language you read it in, but that's my job to make it plain. Of the olive tree, and do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. Paul, what are you saying? As a result of the natural branch, Israel, being broken off, the wild branch, the Gentile nations, have been grafted in. We are allowed the privilege of being placed in a personal relationship with the God of heaven. I figured you would be thoroughly confused, so I brought some illustrations for you. Here it is. Y'all remember, here in 45 days, we'll be celebrating... Christmas. Come on, somebody. I love Christmas. And you know what comes out during Christmas time? 
Christmas trees. Oh, I love Christmas trees. Yes, I do. And you know, you can get all kinds of Christmas trees. You can get white Christmas trees, black Christmas trees, blue Christmas trees. You can get the tree where you take the branches and you just push them up. Or you can get the more complicated one where you take the branches and you got to Hook them in there. That's the one my mama got me when I was little. You know, you know, Christmas is supposed to be a joyous time. My mom, boy, you don't get that branch in there. Why you got to yell at me, mama? I'm trying to get the branch in there. They hooking in. And you know how it is. You got to hook each branch in there. That stuff takes all day. Mama, why you ain't get the one that just push up like that? Well, this is the illustration that Paul is using, that there is a tree and God is putting branches inside of that tree. But before there can be a tree, y'all know there has to be a seed. And in order for there to be a seed, there got to be a seed that's willing to die. Friends, there's a man by the name of Jesus Christ who died on a tree. And when he died on the tree, he became the seed. And that seed sprung up as a tree. And in order to be saved, you got to be connected to that tree. And what God is doing, like with Christmas trees, is he's hooking people inside of Jesus. And to be hooked inside of Jesus is to have life. Now, you know, sometimes there's some branches that's on the tree that don't belong to the tree. And the way you know it don't belong to the tree is because it's dead. If a branch is dead, it's not connected to the tree. And the Bible says God breaks those branches off. Back to the Christmas tree illustration. When one branch is out, that leaves space for another branch. And God says that I'm putting you inside of that tree. I see that that didn't help some of you. I brought another illustration. I'm glad that I went with braids because I think that I can bring this home. Y'all know that when your hair gets bad, they call it dead ends, or you can have split ends. And you know what they got to do with those split ends? They got to cut those split ends off. And so your hair ain't, come on lady, your hair ain't as long as it used to be because you had to cut off those dead ends. But there's some good news. There's a beauty supply down the street that got mohair. And you can get Yaki, you can get Remy, you can get human hair, you can get whatever hair you need. And then you take it, and you take it to the salon, and what does she do? She grafts in that hair that don't belong to your original hair. And it doesn't matter, because when people see you, as all you say, this is all my hair because I paid for it. What God is saying is that you Gentiles, you're part of my family because I paid for it. It doesn't matter what they say about you. He grafted you in. I'm so glad that he sold me in. I don't care how he got me in, long as I'm in. God takes these two people and he sews them together. He braids them together so that when people look at the church, they ought to see one. Listen, had we understood this, 
there wouldn't be a such thing as a black church. The reason there's a such thing as a black church is because the white church was not walking in the gospel that is for all people. Oh, y'all not going to talk to me this morning. Because the gospel in the Bible says that there's neither Jew nor black nor Latino. This all, let me go, let me go to the Christmas tree illustration. I'm telling y'all, my mom used to have us sitting there putting them things in. You know, at the end, it used to have different colors. It had the, the black for the black. It had the blue. It had the orange. There was a spot for every color. Y'all not talking to me this morning. I came to tell y'all that in Jesus, there's a spot for every color. Doesn't matter if you're black. Doesn't matter if you're white. Doesn't matter if you're green. There's a spot for every branch in him. It sounds good. It preaches good. But it's another thing for us to live this thing out. Which means that when we got things in the body that doesn't allow certain branches to be attached to Jesus, we ought to say something. We ought to preach against it. We ought to say that ain't justice. That ain't good. God doesn't allow that. Because God ain't coming until his tree is full. God ain't coming. And to his tree is full. But Paul says to you who came from the beauty supply store, from you who are not a part of the original hair, he says, don't you go around being arrogant. Don't you go around talking about the split ends that got cut off. Because you too can be cut off if you don't act right. Y'all know when head don't act right, you'll cut it off. <laughs> we'll tell it, I guess. <laughs> he says, he says, don't you go around being arrogant. Don't you go around looking your nose down at the Jewish people. Because you better realize that the only reason why you still in that sewing is because God has kept you together. The only reason why you still on that head is because God kept you alive. Because God kept you sewed in. And had not God, had not been for the grace of God, I would have fell away a long time ago. I would have split ends with God a long time ago. So what is God, what is God doing in all of this? He's making one, one nation. He's making one people, but he's going about it a certain way for a reason. Watch what he's doing. The Jewish people who are religiously arrogant, who have the law, who have the prophets, who go to church, who attend Sunday school, who look at their moral accomplishments and wear it as a badge, he says, without accepting Jesus, I'm rejecting you. Watch it. And the way that he proves that salvation is not by religion is that he gives it to the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles are not religious. They not going to church. 
They ain't been to Sunday school, and yet they're being saved. What is he doing? He's showing the Jewish people that salvation is not by works. But then he turns around and he shows the Gentiles something. What is he showing the Gentiles? The Gentiles look at their life and be like, I ain't been to church. I ain't read no word. I ain't did what God told me to do. But yet I'm saved and the Jewish person is not saved. So that when they both look at each other, they say, it got to be grace at the same time. Friends, that's what God is doing. God wants us to look at each other and say, when I look at my life, I ain't got nothing. When I look at your life, you shouldn't be here. And everybody in the church should say, must be grace, must be mercy, must be God being good to us. Can be no other explanation. Now watch this. What is God doing at the apex of what he's doing is God is getting the maximum glory. So that when you and I look at one another, when the Jewish people look at us and we look at the Jewish people, when we say that it ain't nothing but grace, everybody in the room got to give the glory to God. Nobody gets to take credit. And so God sits high on the throne and God sits in a lofty place and everybody bows down and worship him. I hear the book of Philippians, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus his Lord. So if you got a golden ticket in this place, you ought to be humble that you got one. This is what I love at the end of Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. There was a boy by the name of Charlie. Charlie was the last one to get a golden ticket. But Charlie, unlike the rest of them, realizes that he doesn't deserve to be in the chocolate kingdom. Charlie realized that his being in the kingdom has nothing to do with him. They get on the elevator, and Willy Wonka says some good news to Charlie. Charlie's life is about to get upgraded. Charlie's life is about to change. God's getting ready to take Charlie to new heights. God's getting ready to take Charlie from iPhone to Android. Y'all not with me. I knew I would lose some of y'all. God's getting ready to take Charlie from Ford to Ferrari. He's getting ready to take them from Packers to Bears. Excuse me. God's getting ready. I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But God's getting ready to do something in Charlie's life that's getting ready to transform him. And the reason he's getting ready to do it is because Charlie realized that he shouldn't be there. And because Charlie realizes that he shouldn't be there, Willy Wonka offers the chocolate kingdom to Charlie. Friends, you ought to know that God gives the kingdom to those who are humble. God gives the kingdom to those who realize that they shouldn't be there. Each and every last one of us in this room, when we consider our resume, when we consider our records, we know we shouldn't have got us a golden ticket. 
we know that we shouldn't be nowhere near willing. But yet we find ourselves there. Inside of this huge chocolate factory with all kinds of good stuff. And it has nothing to do with our riches. It has nothing to do with our spiritual pedigrees. It has everything to do with that God sent his only begotten son into a dark world. He lived a perfect life. He lived a life that you and I could not live. He took that perfect life and he laid it down for us. And after dying for us, he rose on the third day with all power in his hands, all authority in his possession. And he's been handing out golden tickets to every Charlie that'll come running. I don't know where you are, but golden tickets are still being handed out. And if you don't believe me, there's a jacked up Charlie preaching to you. Had he not saved me, how he not transformed me, I wouldn't be before you today preaching his word, proclaiming his goodness. The chocolate factory is still open. And if you would come, God will save you. And your life will never, ever be the same. 